you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. G Suite by Google Cloud is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. You can make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of multiple versions. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. To find out more, visit gsuite.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here on a takeaway podcast from a, uh, what would you say, Buck, an interesting weekend of uh, NFL football? I think it was a, a, a very interesting weekend. When you look at the matchups that we had, we got a chance to kind of separate the contenders from the pretenders, had some marquee matchups where we got a – Got an opportunity to see which teams are really built to go to the Super Bowl. Well, we're going to get into our 10 takeaways here in just a second, but I do want to show you because this is a tweet that was just sent out. This is not on the on the rundown here, but I just want to show you a tweet that was sent out, and you you tell me how you would interpret this tweet and, and what it would mean here. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, a tweet from Lamar Jackson. Ooh. Dude, thumbs up, dude. He said, dude with two thumbs up. And uh, I don't know. Everybody's everybody. They're going to their bye week right now. I thought this would make sense with the Ravens' offense that is scuffling. That you go ahead and say, "Hey, let's let's name him the starter. We're going to get a crack at this. See if he can save John Harbaugh's job. A team that needs to get into the postseason needs to show some promise. Has, has lost a couple games in a row. Um, I don't know. That's just that's just a tweet that I just saw. It could think, mean nothing. You think you it could think mean nothing? It? But John Harbaugh had some quotes after that game that said. We've got to find a way to get Lamar Jackson more involved and get him more touches. He was on the field for like 13 snaps, Buck. So if you're going to want him to get him more than 13 snaps, then you just make him the make him the quarterback. Look, the writing was on the wall when Lamar Jackson was drafted. At some point, he was going to get an opportunity to do it. And I know people thought that we were being crazy because we were saying, hey, man, Lamar Jackson, you don't draft a guy in the first round and he doesn't play. Like, not in this time. Like, Pat Mahomes is the only one that we can really think about in recent memory that set out the whole year. The difference was – Alex Smith last year played at an MVP level for about three-fourths of the season. They held him off. Right now, Joe Flacco has kind of come back to the pack. And I'm not saying all the Ravens' offensive issues are on him. But unfortunately, the way it's looking, when you have a first-round pick, a franchise quarterback, they're going to look to put him on the field to kind of jumpstart the process. And so when you're sitting at wherever they're sitting, four and four. Under 500 right now. Yeah. Four and five. Like it's an opportunity for them at the bye week to maybe make a change. All right, let's uh, let's get to our takeaways here. We got ten coming your way. Let's uh, let's roll the first one, Kent. In the I formation, second and two from the five yard line. Brady turns, gives to Patterson. Patterson up the middle into the end zone for the touchdown. Cordero Patterson blasting his way in for six, and New England with a sixteen to ten lead. I just wrote the Patriots are creative. You know, there's so much talk about the Patriots. We talk about how. Uh, disciplined they are in the Patriot way, but there's also an element of creativity. They use it in their defensive game plans, they use it in their offensive game plans, and they use it with how they use personnel. And this was not a surprise. Anybody that, that studied Cordero Patterson throughout his career and when he was in college that one year at Tennessee, not a surprise to see him run the football like this. I think a lot of people thought, 
uh, wow, where you know where did Bill Belichick come up with this? I went back and looked it up, Buck. At, at Tennessee that one year, 25 carries, 308 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 12.3 yards per carry. So they got him the ball. Now some of that's on reverses and different things, but he's proven himself plenty capable as a ball carrier. And even with the Raiders, he lined up in the, in the sidecar and took one about 45 yards for a touchdown. But not even that. It goes even farther. When you go back to his time in Minnesota, uh, North Turner routinely put him in the backfield, gave him toss sweeps, and did those things. I think – what you're seeing with Cordero Patterson, with Josh Gordon, with all of the players for the Patriots, they do a great job of putting their players in a position to be successful. They find what they can do. They Don't worry about what you them. can't do. They only ask them to do what they can do and do really well, and then they find a way to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But even playing on what your theme was for the Patriots, being creative, man, their play calling, the things that they do, flea flickers, fly sweep, toss cracks, um, the combination of plays that they're able to put together, they make it very, very tough and challenging on you to deal with them because they do so many different things while putting their guys in a spot where they can really shine. Can we eliminate the uh, – on the other side of it here, can we just eliminate the Green Bay Packers? I mean, it's just a, it's just an average football team. Am I, am I right? I mean – Average. Just a very average team. Like, they don't – have anything that is dynamic or creative about the way they go about their business. And I know people want to take the coach to task and say that he should be fired and he has let Aaron Rodgers down, and maybe so. I mean, I think the thing about the Packers, when I look at them, I just don't know how talented they are. Like somebody look, put Some up of my buddies somebody. work in there, but I, I, I just don't know how talented overall that that squad is. Somebody put it up, though, the other day and showed what that secondary looked like three years ago when they jettisoned all those guys. Uh, we have Micah Hyde. Now Ha Clinton Dix is gone. You had uh, Casey Hayward. You had uh, Sam yeah, Shields of, was a nickel. Like That's a, a lot of good NFL players. A lot of good NFL players. And in doing it the Packer way, they elected to not necessarily pay those guys, move on, try and do it with the draft. And, look, I like their young class of DBs, but it takes time for those guys to kind of develop in jail. Um, the thing is, other side of that, real quick here, Buck, is that a lot of times you say, and the Ravens have done it the same thing: let guys walk, and we'll replace them with draft picks. But here's the thing: when you when you resign those guys, you don't have to spend draft picks on the same position. You can go address something else. I think I think that's the other thing too. I think what we're seeing, I think it's even tougher now. Like when we were in the business, maybe ten years ago. I actually believe it was easier to draft. Yeah. I believe it's more uncertainty in the draft now than it's ever been. And so those old notions of, hey, we're just going to draft. Don't worry, get a third-round pick, we'll go we'll get another do. one. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it's harder now. I think it's more subjective. I think the way they play the game at the collegiate level makes it harder to project for the pro game. And I think teams are finding that those rebuilds, those drafting rebuilds, are certainly not as easy as they used to be back in the day. All right, let's get to the next takeaway. Breeze drops back, throws down the slot. Mike Thomas in stride. He's to the 30. He's to the 20. To the 10. Touchdown. Mike Thomas, 72 yards. And the Saints strike a hole in the hearts of the Rams in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, DJ, like, there's some things that always kind of ring true, but, like, Super Bowl contenders and teams kind of have the same recipe for being able to win. Uh, they're able to control the game on offense, be it either by a ball control approach or explosive. They fair, they're typically a traditionally balanced run pass, the way they can get it done. And then on defense, they can create turnovers and they can get timely stops. When I look at the New Orleans Saints, they have all of those components to be the team that hoist a trophy at the end of the year. On offense, the first half, they were balanced. They were almost 50-50 the first half. Run, pass, mix, play power ball. Uh, were still able to generate the explosive plays. Defensively did a good job of kind of 
keeping the Rams behind the chains. And then at the end of the game, when they really needed to close it, Michael Thomas gave them explosive plays. And so when you look at this team, and I mean, say what you want to about Michael Thomas, maybe you have to put him in that conversation as one of the top five receivers. He's fought his way in, in there. All, yeah. In all of football because he was wearing Marcus Peters out. Yeah, Marcus Peters had a rough go. Ooh, he was he a little was frustrated wearing, there in the post wearing, game too. I saw yeah, some of was, those comments. He was, he was wearing him out. And so um, Sean Payton understands how to dial it up, what they do, how they get about, how they get down on offense. They are a very, very tough team to deal with. And if they can continue to just play adequate defense, they're going to be there at the end. Yeah, one thing with them, interesting, going up against that Rams group, the offensive line did a nice job, and Drew gets the ball out quick, but still no sacks in that game for the Rams. This year, they're tops in the NFL. They've only allowed nine sacks. They went on one interception. So when you're not allowing sacks, when you're not giving the team possessions by turning the ball over, man, that's 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 those are huge numbers in their favor. You mentioned the balance they have running the football. Uh, Baldy, I know our buddy Brian Baldinger on uh, Twitter this morning said it's the best offensive line in the NFL, hands down. Uh, there is no debate. And look, I – I, there's a couple other ones we're going to get to here in a minute, some other offensive lines that are playing really well, but I don't think you can say that anybody's playing better than the Saints offensive line right now. No, I mean, the way the Saints are dominating the point of attack, it allows them to be able to run the football. And they can run it with two different guys, Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara. They can throw it. They can create uh, big play opportunities in the passing game. They've done a great job of moving Michael Thomas around. And when you have Drew Brees, you can break him out when you need him, but you don't have to rely on him. The way this offense and the way this team is constructed, they're not solely dependent upon the quarterback having to throw for 300 yards week in, week out. The kryptonite, though, for this team, look, they're secondary buck. And when we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick go in there and torch them, we see Jared Goff in this game throw for darn near 400 yards. They've got some issues and some concerns there in the back end. This is not an unflawed team. There are no, some they're, flaws they're, there. No, they, they certainly have flaws. But the great thing about their offense, their offense can match their defense because when they get ahead, they can take the air out of it and not really put their defense back on the field. Uh, their offense is their best defense. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the next one. Mahomes, handoff, right side sweep. Kareem Hunt inside the five, breaking tackles, near front pylon, count it up, touchdown! Kansas City, what a day for Kareem Hunt. And the Chiefs have broken it open at 34-15. to Here's my point here on the Chiefs. Look, if season ends today and Pat Mahomes is going to be the MVP, and we can talk about Drew Brees in that mix, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the NFL right now. It is what it is. He's throwing for, I think, 700 more yards than Drew Brees. So he's going to be the MVP. But I will say, on the podium should be his teammate, Kareem Hunt. He should be in that MVP discussion. Now, Todd Gurley's numbers are so ridiculous that he's going to come in behind him when all the votes are tallied if it, if it stays the way it is. But just look at this, Buck. He's on pace right now for 1,200 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, 555 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. He's on pace for 23 touchdowns, and I feel like he's kind of an afterthought just because Mahomes has been so spectacular. I mean, like he does kind of take a backseat to Pat Mahomes because what Pat Mahomes has done has been remarkable. I mean, you just don't expect a guy that's a first-time starter to come out and have the kind of success that he's had right away. But much like these other teams that we talk about being Super Bowl contenders, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the like, their ability to be able to shift and switch styles offensively allows them to play in any kind of contest. You want to get into a track meet? The Kansas City Chiefs can match you because they got speed on the perimeter. You want to play a rock'em, sock'em, robots game? Kareem Hunt gives them the ability to be able to run and to kind of grind it out like that. He is underrated. He doesn't get enough credit for what he adds to the team. In the playoffs, Kareem Hunt would be a deciding factor whether this team continues to advance and get to the Super Bowl like many of us expect. Yeah, there's, you know, fun and finesse. That's not what this offense is all about. No. There's some power now. There's some physicality to it. 
that Kareem Hunt brings that. I'll, I'll give you one of the two teams right now, Buck. There are two teams that are in the top five in the NFL in terms of they have the most sacks and then they're the fewest sacks allowed. There's only two that, that cross over. I saw you tweet about So that. you've already tweeted, yeah. but I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners here. I'll just give you one of the two right now, Kansas City Chiefs. They are fourth in the NFL in sacks allowed. They've only allowed 12 sacks. And then they're getting after the quarterback with 26 sacks on defense, missing one of their top guys. I think what's remarkable about the Chiefs, um, if you go on our website, if you go to the next-gen stats thing and you pop in Pat Mahomes' name and you go to the quarterback stuff and you look at the passing chart, there is this perception that he is throwing bombs and they're just slinging it all down yeah, yeah. the field. They are beating you with spectacular paper cuts. Yeah, yeah, slants. Everything, slants and- things are underneath. But what they have done is I think they've assembled the perfect offensive core to go around him. Catch and run specialist Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys are capable of taking five-yard slants and going to the house. They get the ball out, which is why they don't take a lot of sacks. They don't have a lot of negative plays. And he is really allowing his playmakers to do work. Now, he also brings that added aspect because he can throw it out the stadium. Yeah. But they are a controlled offense with explosive playmakers making big plays. And talk about space creators. When you look at down in the red zone, Travis Kelsey can generate space yes. in, in tight quarters. That's not easy to do. And then, obviously, Tyreek Hill, the ultimate space creator with what he does with his quickness. Sammy Watkins offers some of those same things. So they've got guys that just can generate some separation, and they got a guy that's absolutely throwing the heck out of it. But I do want to get back to, uh, to Kareem Hunt. He belongs in that MVP discussion. The Browns. Uh, valiant effort there. They they kept this uh, a ball game for a while, and, and I thought Baker Mayfield did some nice things for this offense. But again, it's going to be a long year for them. All right, let's get to the next one. Funches wide right, and then three receivers to the left on third and goal from the 17. Newton backs up, fires end zone, one-handed grab. Are you serious for the touchdown, Greg Olson? He just went out Odell Beckham style and speared it at the T in Panthers. Man, this team, this team. A lot of people not talking about them, but the Panthers are quietly sitting at six. Wait, wait, the pa- Panthers? Yeah, they they have a team because I haven't heard anything about no, the Panthers. No, one's, whole year. no one's yeah. no one's really talking about them. They don't talk about them, and they don't talk about the Cowboys. Like I don't know why <laughs> yeah, people don't talk about you. those two listen teams. But when I look at the Carolina Panthers, man, they're sitting nicely um, when it comes to playoff position and laying how they low, the man. Building, they're in the weeds, just laying team. low and. Look, if, I know they don't give assistant coach of the year awards out, but, man, North Turner, what he has done to remake this offense. I didn't see that coming, didn't, by the way. I mean, you know, can't like, say can't teach an old dog new tricks. Man, he, is, he has found a way to blend all the things that Cam Newton does really, really well while also making him a very efficient quarterback. Man, Cam Newton has thrown for two or more touchdown passes, I want to say, in six straight games uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1925, 247, two touchdowns but also had 11 carries for 33 yards. And on paper, like the 11 for 33 isn't much, but it's another aspect of their offense that you have to defend. Christian McCaffrey, 17 for 79, two touchdowns. They had a nice little double reverse to Curtis Samuel. They are finding a way to generate explosive plays in the running game while keeping it creative and fun. The Carolina Panthers are built the right way. Their team that's going to be tough to deal with. All right, you ready for, uh, you ready for some numbers here, Buck? Give you, I'm going to give you a little ammo here for your Norv Turner <laughs> argument. Offensive, coordinator yep. of the year. Coordinator of the year. We can have an official move the sticks coordinator of the year award. Get maybe some certificates made or something. Yeah, we can. Get- All right, here, here's, here's your ammo. All right. Cam Newton completion percentage. Let's go through his career, and you tell me what stands out. 
One is not like the others. No. That's unbelievable, though. How about that? That's a, you don't see that's a massive jump. No. Yeah, I mean, you just don't see that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And he's on pace. He's got. He's already got 15 touchdown passes. He's on pace for 30 touchdowns. So unbelievable. So I mean, he's and and he's protecting the football. Look, here's well, here's some other numbers. You ready? Uh, interceptions for Cam: 17, 12, 13, 12, 10, 14, 16. He's got four this year. So cut him all, on pace cut to it, have the cut it all the way down. So your completion percentage just jumps to the roof. Your interception percentage drops. Um, and you're getting the ball in the end zone. You're still running the football. I mean, I was at the, at that Seattle Charger game. We'll get to that in a minute. But they basically have abandoned the run with Russell Wilson and said, we're not going to do that. You know, Cam Newton, don't have to do that. Still running. Still running. Still doing his thing. Still letting him, letting him be the player that he is. And I give North Turner a lot of credit. He has allowed him to continue to be Cam Newton while challenging him and, and, and forcing him to kind of play in a style that you need to play to have long-term success at that position. One other thing here before we get it to the next takeaway. Last year, Christian McCaffrey, 435 rushing yards. Right now, 502 yards rushing. So last year was uh, all North, through the year, and this year you're starting to see him. He's only going to have a 1,000-yard rushing season as well as what he's doing in the year. North Turner has always been really good with backs. Uh, he had talked about Christian McCaffrey having some of that LaDainian Tomlinson-like stuff, and so he is re created that when you talk about the 79 rushing yards he had 78 receiving yards and we've talked about hybrids and how these guys can impact the game they found a way to really maximize Christian McCaffrey's talents I will say Ron Rivera's decision to add North Turner to the staff could be the difference and the Carolina Panthers making a legit run. One other thing, like a little cheat sheet for Norv, is when you look down and you see McCaffrey, he wears number 22. That's the number. 22 touches, Buck. Yeah. 17 rushes, five receptions. Right on the head. 22 touches is the sweet spot for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's how you get it to him. I, I, I love what they're doing with Christian McCaffrey. You know, it's funny. He was taken in the top ten, and you wondered, ah, could he be a guy? Norv Turner been the right coach because he's figured out a way to maximize his talents. All right, let's get to the next one. Paul's Davis back to his left shoulder. This is the game. From the six, Wilson, shotgun snap, passing down. Pocket collapses. Wilson steps up, throws to the end zone. Incomplete. Chargers win. Hits David Moore in the hands and falls incomplete. And the Bolts have won their fifth straight game and improved to six and two. That's my buddy Matt Money Smith, our buddy Matt Money Smith, on the call there, Buck. And this is a team that ball actually was tipped at the last second by Jaleel Die. Which yeah, that, that that's what I thought when I was looking yeah. when I was looking at the uh, replay. It looked like it wasn't a, a drop, but he got a uh, it was on. tight though. But I will say this: Russ put some RPMs on that. Oh yeah, he's got he's got I mean, a he can threw a fastball. He threw a fastball in there. My takeaway: just having you know cover these Charger games each and every week. Offensively, there's just tremendous balance. The 12th passing offense or the 6th rushing offense, they're tied for fourth and fewest sacks allowed. So they even gave up a couple sacks yesterday, one of which um, this is one of those – there was one of those plays where it was a teaching moment, like a total teaching tape. The difference between you see these young quarterbacks and you see the veteran quarterbacks. So here's the situation. It's third down, Buck. Um, They're trying to to get a – if they get a first down, the game's over. Seattle had tried an onside kick, didn't get it. But if they get a stop, they can burn all three timeouts. They'll get the ball back with a chance to come down and, and potentially tie the game. So it's third down. Seattle has one timeout left. And trying. it was about third and seven. You're wondering, okay, Rivers is going to run the ball just to force them to use their timeout. Or you trust him as a veteran to hopefully get a completion, get a first down, the game's over. So they call pass play. There's nothing there. So it, how many times would you see a young quarterback in that situation? There's nothing there. Throw the ball away. Nobody's open. Rivers holds it, eats it, takes a sack. 
Okay, so you sacrifice seven, eight yards of field position, but you force Seattle to burn the yes. final timeout. Yes. It's just little things like that. When you watch him each and every week, you see you truly appreciate how smart and how good Philip Rivers is. He's protecting the football now. You go over the last couple of years, this is so, not the same reckless Philip Rivers so, we saw when he was younger. Right, so here, so uh, on the heels of a conversation that I had with you last week, I wrote about Philip Rivers being an MVP candidate. And I went back and you talked about the numbers, and I'm looking at the interception numbers. And I think it's important to know that when Philip Rivers was drafted, he was drafted by Marty Schottenheimer. And having played for Marty, Marty's big thing has always been Marty Ball, protect the football, run the football. Protect the football, the football all those things. So Philip's first year as a starter for Marty, they went 14 and 2. Philip Rivers only had nine interceptions. Only one other time in his career besides that first year has he had fewer than 10 interceptions. That year, they went 13-3. and three. Yep. And so the common denominator is when Phillip Rivers takes care of the ball, the Chargers win a lot of games. He is bought in. And I read something from Ken Wisenhunt where he talked about not only does he take care of the ball now, he's getting everybody in the middle. Oh, yeah. All the playmakers are dealing. And Ken Wisenhunt said, there's never been anyone better at getting the ball to the backs. And you're seeing Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, those guys have been able to impact the game. Yeah, and Keenan Allen doesn't have the touchdowns, but, man, he does so much dirty work. Oh, he was working the middle of the field. Unbelievable. The one thing I liked about their game plan, they got him in the mix yeah. early. Don't waste time. Hand him the ball to the first play of the game. Get him tight, going. A little tight, quick motion, 28-yard run to start the game, and they're backed up inside their own five there. Look, nobody's really talking about this Charger team anymore. They lost those two games early to the, to the Rams and the Chiefs, arguably the best two teams in the NFL. And they feel like this is kind of hanging out here. They've won five in a row. Now when you look at the schedule, this week it's at Oakland, then it's at home against Denver and Arizona. So right now they're 6-2. and two. They, they have a chance if they just handle their business, they should be sitting at 9-2 and two as they get into some more difficult games, including a road trip against Pittsburgh and a road trip against Kansas City. So... They'll have a chance later on in the season to find out uh, if they are the real deal. But right now, it's a really, really balanced football team. Really balanced football team. And so it's very important. And we'll talk about the maturity that this team displays. Take care of business. Get to 9-2. and two. Ten wins typically gets you into playoffs. Handle your business. Don't have any hiccups. Just get to the point. Then deal with whatever you have to deal with at the end of the year. This is a good team. This is a balanced team. And it's a team that no one really wants to face because the X factor for the Chargers Phillip Rivers can always go for 300. There's another X factor that hadn't even played a game yet for them. Oh, Joey Bosa. I mean, when you've got a chance, who else in the NFL? We talk about these trade line, uh, trade deadline additions. Nobody will have a bigger impact than what Joey Bosa would have if he comes back 100% healthy, not to mention potentially even get Hunter Henry back. Uh, so they've got a chance to add some firepower to a team that's already playing pretty good football. All right, let's get to number six. The Steelers. Operating left to right. Ben gets the snap. He's back. He throws it to the right. Running for the end zone. Connor. That's a touchdown for Pittsburgh. For James Connor, his first as uh, the 2018 season moves along. Eric Weddle couldn't keep him out of the end zone. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers can win it all with or without Levy and Bill. And I've been a big supporter of Levy and Bill. Uh, I will say now. It has kind of got to the point of being ridiculous in terms of like whether he's going to show up or not. I can see why the Steelers have kind of batted down the hatches and why one of their offensive linemen came out. David DeCastro came out and said, why are we here? We don't care if he's here or not. Like it doesn't matter. We're going to keep on doing do what, what we do. We do. Yeah. Now, they have found a player in James Conner. James Conner, four straight 100-yard rushing games. And in that same span, I think the thing that is remarkable, he's had 88 carries 
and 20 receptions. So he basically is giving them the kind of production that Le'Veon Bell used to give him, the work horseback, being able to carry the workload. And the thing that you're seeing now, they've shifted this offense to fit his skill set. Mm-hmm. The plays they call are the plays that are specifically designed for him to be very, very successful. So the trick will be when 26 does come back, if he comes back, how do they handle that part of it? If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, knowing what we know now about Le'Veon Bell and knowing how the future is going to play out, I'm all in on number 30. He's a sidecar. Yeah, yeah, peace out. The uh, other thing I was going to tell you, we talked about earlier with Kansas City being a team that's in the top five in sacks and sacks allowed. Pittsburgh is the other team in terms of uh, they are number three in sacks allowed. They've only allowed 11 sacks. And then defensively, they're tied with Kansas City, tied uh, for fourth there with 26 sacks on the defensive side of the ball. But the point I wanted to make here, Buck, is it feels like the debate is always going on. Is it, uh, you know, what makes this Steelers offense go? Is it still Big Ben's show? Is it is it Antonio Brown? Is that the engine? Or is it the running backs? And Well, if it's the running backs, well, who's better? Is it Lev Bell? Is it James Conner? I'm like, you know what we're not talking about? We're not talking about this offensive line that has been what makes this whole thing go the way they've played. And if we're going to give Norv Turner the Coordinator of the Year award, mm. I'd like to nom- nominate Mike Munchak for the Position Coach Award. He has done a wonderful job with this group over the last few years, and they're playing at a very high level. Playing at an exceptionally high level. He has done a terrific job of making this team. This offensive line, you know, it's funny to say this about the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's made them tougher and rougher up front. They can get into those phone booth games. They can dominate it. They can win. They can really, really mash people at the point of attack. And so – the way the Pittsburgh Steelers are built, like this actually gives them a better chance of having to deal with the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs because the balance that they have, being able to kind of grind it out, they can muddy the game up. And I think for Pittsburgh, even though we've talked for years about their prolific offense, I think they kind of want to be a little more workmanlike. A little more gritty those, with those teams because it's funny, a team that we've celebrated for their triplets, I don't know if they match up going toe-to-toe with the explosive offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And even they've always had their struggles with the New England Patriots. All right, let's get to the next takeaway. Cannon out there, wanted to throw it. Darnold is picked off by T.J. McDonald. He slides down at midfield. And the Dolphins will win this football game. Because because of the defense, the Dolphins are going to win. Yeah, look, Sam Donald, that's a rough rough afternoon. I haven't got a chance to see this tape yet. Saw live it on TV while I was waiting for the Charger game up there in Seattle. But four interceptions now obviously leads the NFL with 14 picks. Uh, look, I would say I'm not surprised that the turnovers are high here on a rookie that's 21 years old playing uh, with a very average supporting cast. But I didn't I, – I thought – you know, I didn't think we'd see this. It's been worse than I expected. Now the big question is one of the, uh, one of the things that we – we liked about Sam Donald coming out was his resiliency, his mental toughness, his ability to bounce back. Now it's going to be tested because not only are you turning the ball over a bunch, you're turning over more than anybody in the NFL and you're doing it in the number one media market. So he's going to hear about it a ton. So we're going to see just how thick his skin is. Yeah, but I don't think it's an issue. I think we, we, we kind of expected him to have some turnover issues. I think, um, a lot of what we do when it comes to evaluating guys is, like, you really have to know who the player is. Like, he has some turnover issues at SC. I expected them to continue because the game only gets faster and quicker. And 
when you think about his age and really his relative inexperience playing the position, you knew some of those things were going to happen. Now, I'll be the first to say this. The Jets don't necessarily have a talented supporting cast around him. I think it's very, very important that they address those situations in the offseason. They would be a team that could use a marquee running back that could make some things happen. A Le'Veon Bell type player would certainly help there. And they need two big-time receivers on the outside or a big-time receiver in the tight end, something. They have to give him more to take some of the burden off of his plate. They have to make all of the plays with his arm with his legs. Let me just give you a couple numbers here on their uh, losses this year, okay? In their losses, this is how many yards their leading rusher had, okay? Isaiah Crowell, 35 yards against Miami early. Uh, against Cleveland, Powell had 73 yards, not bad. Jacksonville, Powell, 26 yards rushing. Uh, against Minnesota, Crowell, 29 yards rushing. Against Chicago, Crowell, 25 yards rushing. And in Miami, in this one that just happened, Crowell, 49 yards rushing. So you don't have a guy rush for 50 yards, and you've got a rookie quarterback with an average offensive line and not a whole lot on the outside. I don't know that we should be surprised they weren't successful. Now, he still needs to do a better job throwing the ball away and, and just live to play another down. But it's, uh, it's, it's more than just Sam Darnold is what I'm getting at with the New York Jets. Oh, with I mean, without a doubt, it's, it's more than him. And I, I I think people who are really understanding what the Jets had, they, they kind of know that. Um, it just comes down to how they're going to build this team, this team, this offense around him. And will he have to experience a coaching change to get the, mo- the best out of him? I know. Uh, we saw, what, we saw with Jared Goff and that worked out pretty well. Yeah. So, like, it's going to be it's going to be. Uh, an intriguing job, um, an interesting job, particularly if it comes open. But, I mean, it's going to be a fight because everyone is looking for somebody that can jumpstart their offense and their quarterback. Third down and three for Peterman. He's got a back to his left, three receivers to the right. He takes the snap, coming to the near side. Oh, it up and intercepted out of the deflection. Leonard Floyd, five, end zone. Touchdown Bears. Number two today. They are around the ball. The celebration begins in the end zone. Bears extend their lead to 20 to nothing here in Buffalo. Hey, look, I'm saying the Chicago Bears are playoff ready. And I know offensively they put up a dismal performance. But one of the reasons why the Bears would be a tough out, a team that can be there in the postseason is because of their defense. And when you look at the way their defense is playing, people focus on the yards, but I really worry about only two categories, scoring defense and turnovers. And in takeaways, they're second in the National Football League. If you go back and you look at all the stats, winning the turnover battle by just one is a 64 chance. <laughs> it's an unbelievable, chance right? It's just tried, tried and if true. If you win it by two, it goes up to almost 82%. And so the Chicago Bears' ability to turn the ball over gives them a chance to be one of those teams. And if they can just muster enough out of Mitch Trubisky and the running game with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, they can be a team in a wild card round that could give you a problem. And look at what they have coming up here. They just went through the AFC uh, East. Miami, New England, the Jets, and Buffalo. They just played all four of those teams in a row. Now they get into their division. Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit again. Um, they get a, a layup trip to play the Giants, and then they get the Rams, the Packers. So they've got uh, – we'll see what this Bears team's all about here coming up with some big games. All right, let's get to the next one. Second and ten from the 11. Stafford, shotgun, five-step drop, flustered, and he is sacked! And that's a team record! Ten sacks today for the Minnesota Vikings, and Daniil Hunter has three and a half. 
Congratulations, Daniil. You should be the NFC Defensive Player of the Week with that touchdown and three and a half sacks. Well done, young man. Nice. Give him the award. Wow. I think he's right. Give though. it to him. All right. This is so. This after watching this this morning. The uh, the Minnesota Vikings. You you you've seen Hoosiers, right? You're a big yeah. Hoosiers guy. They ran the Normandale defense. Coach, you only have four out there. My team's on the floor. <laughs> Coach, you're only rushing four. Coach Zimmer, you're, you're only going to rush four. Yep, we're good. Nine of the ten sacks rushing four. That's all. It it's four on five, right? Four on five. They couldn't block them. Uh, and and uh, the other thing is with Stafford, four of the ten sacks, he's holding the ball. He's got to get rid of it. So get rid of it. Some of that's on him. But the, uh, they only had one of their ten sacks where they brought five. So they're just, just whipping people up front with their four. Everson Griffin being back in the mix. Uh, makes uh, makes that thing go with with Hunter on the other side. They were getting after it in this game. So to see the Minnesota Vikings defense show up in this game and show what they can be going forward, this to me is uh, is starting to see the way they ran the ball and the way they played defense. This is why Kirk Cousins went there, Buck, because Kirk Cousins can have a game where he doesn't have to throw for a ton of yards and they can win a football game. Now that they have Dalvin Cook healthy and Everson Griffin back, this is what this team can look like. Yeah, this is absolutely what this team should look like. They should be balanced. They should have the ability to give the ball to Dalvin Cook to take some of the pressure off Kirk Cousins. They should be able to use him to set up some of the play action stuff that they want to do. I like this team coming into the year. I thought this team um, was built the right way, and we're talking about it. I just got off of my high horse talking about the Chicago Bears, but, man, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, those two should be competing for the – NFC North title, and I think the losers should be able to find his way in the back door into the playoffs. I think they only ran 45 plays. Is that right? Jeez. Cousins threw it 22 times. They ran the ball 23 times. They didn't have a lot of, lot of, off, didn't have a lot of possessions there. Uh, anyways, they, they absolutely got it done, and that's a team. The Vikings are another team. Look, there's a, there's a lot of teams in that NFC that can come out of there. You know, you can make a case in the AFC. Maybe it's three, three, four teams. And in the NFC, man, it, it is. There's a lot of teams that are dangerous if they get into the tournament. I think of teams like Minnesota, teams like Philadelphia. Um, obviously, we know the Saints and the Rams and what they're doing. But there are a lot of teams that, man, it's on any given day. I, that's a, it's a toss-up to me. It is a toss-up. I mean, like the tournament is going to be so exciting oh. to watch this year because, I mean, really, who can we say is the favorite? We can like the Rams and the Saints, uh, the Chiefs, but every team has a fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. Even the New England Patriots, they have fatal flaws. There is not Steelers, a team I mean, that you can just write in and say, this is the class of the league, and they just put them into the Super Bowl. It is going to be really, really compelling. And we talk about styles making fights. We could see in both sides six teams with contrasting styles where whichever team is able to impose their will is able to advance. All right, we got just a couple minutes left before we get to this last takeaway, but I want to just go through this real quick because I want to I go through the league real quick and just say try and identify how many teams we think can win a Super Bowl. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll go to the AFC. In the East, it's just the Patriots, right? That's one team. Uh, the North, I think – I don't think the Bengals can win a Super Bowl. I'd say the Steelers can yep. win a Super Bowl, so that's two. Um, in the South, are the Houston Texans with their defense and Deshaun Watson, is that a dangerous enough team they could win the Super Bowl through that? Uh, I don't know if they can win it. They can make it tough. I don't know if they can win it. Okay, we're going to say nobody there. Okay, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a couple games back, and they're not quarterback play is not good enough. Uh, AFC West, I think two teams. I think For the sure. Chiefs and the Chargers. So that puts us at four teams that we think are Super Bowl caliber. So four teams and then the Texans would be a possible. So that's so five. Four, four. You only get six in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. So we're thinking four or five in the AFC are – could hoist the trophy at the yep. end of the year. Now we go to the NFC. 
I don't see the Reds. I know the Redskins are in first place. No, I don't they, think they can't win the trophy. We, we we would like to say that maybe the Eagles could win it coming out of the East. I think that's the only team that you feel confident enough about when you look at them. Like, yeah, they could win it because they've been there before. They can get it done. Cowboys are a couple games back. They're not good enough. I don't think. Uh, so we've got the Eagles there. In the North, I think you know you've got the Bears and the Vikings. I think the Vikings. Can. I don't think the Bears are a Super Bowl caliber oh. team, but I do think the Vikings could yep, do it. So that's two. So that's two. Saints and Panthers. I'd both put them both in there. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna the, be like the, the Atlanta Falcons. They're scary. If, they're almost. They they could be in that or. They'll be yeah, the or. They, they can be in that category just because they've had so many injuries on defense, but they know how to get there. All right. So we have one with uh, just the NFC again here. We have the Eagles one. We have the Vikings two. We have the Saints and Panthers. Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. That puts you at five. So we got five there. And then the Rams. just the Rams. So six. Six. So every team in the tournament potentially could win it. Could absolutely win it. It's a lot of teams. So we're saying overall there's in the chance to win a Super Bowl of the 32 teams, we feel like there are 10 or 11 teams that have a legitimate shot at the halfway mark we view as Super Bowl caliber teams. Pretty interesting. That is very, very interesting. Um Let's get to the final. we got to roll through this last one. Final takeaway here. Miller in the backfield. Watson in the gun. On third down and five. Watson takes the snap. Watson with time throwing to the end zone right side. Hits Hopkins with the touchdown. Hey, look. The Houston Texans are the kings of the South. And, look, I had put this team in as one of the Super Bowl contenders at the beginning of the year, coming off the heels of Deshaun Watson's spectacular rookie season. Uh, they haven't kind of played that video game-like offense that we thought they would play, but what we've seen is this team has found an identity. They can lean on their defense. They're starting to get better contributions from the running game. It wasn't necessarily productive against the Denver Broncos, but if they can run the ball and be efficient like they were in the passing game, Deshaun Watson, 17-24, 2-13, two touchdowns. I feel good about their chances of being able to win the division and then maybe win a playoff game. So far, so good with Demarius Thomas. Uh, a nice little uh, first run through for him. Three for 61. Yeah, I like solid, that. solid, solid. So not the uh, not the same vertical stretch you get with uh, Will Fuller, obviously with that the speed that Will Fuller had, but uh, finding a way to get it done in a game really Broncos could have won. Uh, oh, some, some interesting decisions there at the end of that game in terms of uh, not being a little bit more aggressive to get better field position for the for a game winning kick, but uh, they uh, they lose a the ball game. Houston wins and they've won I believe six in a row right now, so they are absolutely rolling. All right, that's going to do it for us today on the Takeaway Pod. Be sure to uh, check out the next podcast coming your way. We will have two more coming this week uh, with some uh, some NFL and some college football sprinkled in there. Uh, thank you again though for listening. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and uh, leaving us a review there on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate that. Uh, our videos you can find them NFL.com slash MTS Video or YouTube.com slash NFL. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah Kent behind the glass making it all go. Uh, Cam doing all the dirty work. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.